Welcome to Reconstructed Faith, a podcast where we talk about truth you can build your life on. We hope to dive into the hard conversations of life and faith and seek out reasonable, substantive answers. My name is Colson Lechner, and I'm joined by Chris Sherrod, Chris Legg, and Bryn Starnes. This is Reconstructed Faith. Welcome back to the Reconstructed Faith Podcast. My name is Colson Lechner, alongside my partners in crime, Bryn Starnes, Chris Legg, and Chris Sherrod. Glad to be back with you guys. Chris Legg Legg has just gotten back, at least in our time. uh, (laughs) Yeah, for today, as of today. As of today, he's just gotten back from Israel. 20th. So he randomly falls asleep. That's right. If I just... If you hear this sound, if you hear yawning, <laughs> if, if you hear yawning, of... it's not me. That's this right. Time. It's not him this time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good callback. Good callback. Nice. <laughs> but um, so in our series, this uh-huh. this episode falls after we've been doing some unpacking of hermeneutics. What is hermeneutics? What is good hermeneutics? What is right. bad hermeneutics? And kind of what that can lead to. And so we felt like a good next step would be to use and utilize. Uh, good hermeneutics right? and unpacking maybe some problem passages or things that people scratch their head about or just have questions about in the Bible. And so um, we thought first we would kind of jump into um, putting to rest, how do we deal with Levitical laws? Just something light and fluffy. Yeah, why not? We thought we'd we'd handle something, just throw it at you really easy. Um, Everyone's favorite book to read, Leviticus. I know. I know. I, actually, you know what we can throw out there real quick? Yeah. Uh, I throw uh, a bone to people who want to look into this more. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bible Project guys who we've talked about several times, they're actually going through Leviticus right now in detail. And so if you want okay. an in-depth discussion of of what the purpose of Leviticus is, what role it has in Scripture and in the Hebrew Scripture in particular, uh, now's a good time to jump over there and tell them we sent you. <laughs> yes. I don't know how you do that, but but tell tell them call them that. exactly Send them an email. right. Because uh, we definitely need to reach out to them and have see if they want to come visit us sometime on our podcast. Exactly. But, yeah. um, if you're listening, that's Tim right. or John, Tim or John, <laughs> we'll talk. Uh, yeah, I was doing gardening this morning, uh, listening to to some of their Leviticus stuff, and it's it's just good as always. Mm. Um, okay, very cool. Yeah, we'll see about le- linking that in the show notes. Yep. But yeah, so let's let's jump into why, it. Why do you think people Go for care? It. I mean, what's the what's the concern here when people are deconstructing their faith? What role do the Levitical and and other what we would call Old Testament or Hebrew scriptural laws? What role do they play in it? Like, what are the questions that it creates for people? Hmm. That's a good question. I think what's going on in a lot of again, I keep going back to um, memes, but. That's how so many people think today. Uh, there's a lot of memes out there about, uh, I, I read my Bible, that's why I'm an atheist, or um, just a lot of accusations when it comes to like the issue of homosexuality that we're, we've got pet verses that we quote <clears throat> um, against homosexuality from Leviticus, but then we're these walking contradictions where we're not following other ones. So I just think that it comes up in different ways, but in in each way, I think the goal is to either make us doubt our faith or to make Christians feel like, yeah, you follow a really dumb book, or you're just being a hypocrite, picking and choosing what you what you want um, what you want to follow. So we're we're cherry picking or or something like that. So so the I think that's why it comes up a lot. Well, and I, yeah, I agree, and I think. I think part of that too is Leviticus. It takes a lot of hard work to study something like Leviticus. And I think we've been talking about how if, if we're actually studying God's word, that takes a lot of, that takes work sometimes anyway, but especially something like Leviticus that isn't the most fun read. I think to dig into some of these questions is really difficult. And so it's easy to just skim over them or just Google, like, what is my favorite bloggers mm-hmm. say about this and just take it at that than doing our own homework. And, and then I think it also goes back to the conversation that we've been coming back to culturally a lot, that hypocrisy is a big um, yes. accusation in the mm-hmm. church. And it's a good I, point. I think this is an, an easier way or more common way for people to point out supposed hypocrisy in Christians and, it's one of the more dramatic ways to point out 
hypocrisy if you haven't really studied it enough to know kind of how all this fits together. And so Mm -hmm. I don't know, that's kind of one of my thoughts. Yeah. And I think some of that also comes back to our conversation about genre, right? Like we just don't understand if you, if we don't have a good understanding of what the genre is right? and we just read it as we'd read narrative (laughs) or something like that, it's just easy to get misconstrued really quickly and just not understand it. (laughs) Right. Or there's a lot of, go ahead. We've said this before, but to remember that the Bible is, for us, but it's not written to us. Right. And so it was not intended to answer all the questions we want answered today. Mm-hmm. And so what we do is we read it with our, our Western eyes and our modern ways of thinking. And then there's, there really are a lot of things that look weird or we just don't like, or don't make sense to us that would have made perfect sense back then. So I think I use this analogy before, but it keeps happening whenever I, I see either rugby or cricket because I interpret <laughs> rugby through American football lenses. And right. so it looks weird to me. And I, I, I don't understand what they're doing. And I'm like, that's, how can they do that? That was a, that was a penalty. Or why, is <laughs> right, exactly. why are they you throwing it in from the sideline? <laughs> I saw something. It still goes back to Chris, that, that YouTube video about what I showed about the British, oh my goodness, the British sports. British. Yes. <laughs> but I was watching some cricket thing and the guy, hits the ball with his paddle and the, the pitcher, I guess is his name, grabs the ball and throws it. The bowler. It's called the bowler. The bowler. And everybody (laughs) cheers. And I'm like, what just happened? happened? (laughs) And the guy, so my point is I will either be confused when I'm watching it. Like I'm just don't know what's going on. And if I'm sitting with another American, maybe we might start even making fun of it. Like this is so stupid. You know what I'm saying? But if I'm sitting with a real guy from Australia or someone from like India where they play cricket a lot, it would be totally different. And he'd be explaining stuff and I'd be like, Oh, okay. But I think that a lot of people do that with the Bible um, because we, like Bryn said, we are just lazy. We're lethargic and we don't want to take the time to actually figure out, you know, what was, why, why was that relevant then? It would be like, here's another one that only Chris and I, I think could relate to. <laughs> it would be like us going through an old, we're trying to revamp a school manual on how classes should run. And one of the jobs of like a, a teacher or like the leader of the week for the kids is like, go outside and like, um, I don't know how do you describe it. Clap out all the, all the erasers. All the yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> People used we to fight to that. do that. Oh yeah. Oh my goodness. So I, what would you describe? <laughs> I it? know you're, what you're an eraser up. is. I'm okay, not that no, but young. I'm talking about a chalk eraser. I, you, yeah, you ever cleaned out the chalky races? No, but bang? I remember them. You chalk bust everywhere. Uh, my point awesome. is, if I'm reading that, I could be laughing and be like, that's so stupid that I do that. Or I'd be like, what in the world is that? Why would you right. have that in Why there? would you do that? And you guys are so inconsistent because you don't follow that law today. And I'd be like, well, we don't have chalkboards. We don't have today. erasers anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. We don't have to do that anymore. And so, again, yep, that's a really simple, <laughs> silly illustration, maybe, but it it, when we read the Bible, we want it to answer all of our current issues mm-hmm. rather than take the time to go, why was that an issue back then? And then you go, oh, okay, that makes sense because <laughs> there was, or another one, it's like camp rules where you're like, re- weird, you hear these weird, you know, rules for staff, like no naked zip lining. You're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but it's because... You somebody know, you that. know how, you know why that rule's Some, there. Somebody did that. <laughs> and so when you read these weird things, it's like, okay, well that they had to come up with a law. Right. I even somebody... have something not to put a baby in a, in this little uh, carrying case. So, you know, somebody <laughs> right. might've done Someone that. Someone did that. Like, this exactly. would be perfect to seal the baby in yeah. this case. <laughs> It'll be so safe in there. Uh, yeah. That's so anyways, a, it is, that's it just... is why that is part of why. Honestly, I tell people if you, if somebody has a really simple a simple if you can again if you can go with it with a meme, like how come how come Christians, you know, would, I think the example you said would say homosexual homosexual behavior is a sin, but they still don't shave, but they still shave their sideburns, yeah. and they eat shrimp and they, you know, mow their lawn on a Saturday. Right. That just shows what hypocrites they are, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> and if 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 it's something that can be summarized in a meme then it's probably not going to be sufficient when you're talking about something like the, the, 
national law given by God to a specific people 4,000 years ago. Right. Um, and how do we know what of those laws still apply to us today and which ones don't? And like, I mean, a, a great example that you were saying, Chris, was, I mean, pretty much all of the temple and tabernacle laws are going to be really, really tough to apply right. since there's no temple or tabernacle. Um, or and, priests. Or priests. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, the, but priesthood, so there's a good, a good one that helps us understand, because one of the things that as Christians we do is we believe that, that the teachings of Christ interpret the Old Testament laws for us. He's our rabbi, mm-hmm. and therefore one of his things that he had the authority to do, not only as, as the Son of God and the Messiah and the great high priest, <clears throat> was to interpret which of those laws apply and in what ways to this new covenant. And even that is an important concept mm-hmm. that, that part of why we engage with those quote old Testament laws differently is because we believe we are in a new covenant. In fact, if you'll Bryn, if you mm-hmm. could grab um, Jeremiah 31 um, and we'll look at verses 31 and 32. But so the, all these old Testament, these Levitical laws and some people argue about the number of them, there may be as many as 611, 614, um, although I've heard numbers much less than that if you actually count them out one at a time. But it's kind of traditional that there's 611 of them because that's what the word Torah, the, the numbers that connect with the letters Torah add up to 611 or 614. Anyway, there's a, there's a lot of complicated stuff there. But, um, but there's a lot of laws about a lot of things. And in a second, I'm sure what we're going to do is break down that break them down into three headings, which again, you follow almost any New Testament scholar in engaging with the Old Testament, and we're going to, they're going to break them down. So we're going to do that in just a second into a few headings. And then Jesus interprets those three headings in different ways, how he engages with them. But, but the idea that there's going to be a new covenant, and a covenant is just a word for testament, by the way, a new testament, mm-hmm. a new code, a new ethic, a new whatever, that is prophesied in Hebrew scripture. Um, so, and in fact, many people in Judaism today are still waiting for that. Mm-hmm. It's not that they don't think that's possible. They just don't think it's happened yet. So if you could read Jeremiah 31, 31 and 32 for us. Yep. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. That's 32. Is that 32? Okay. So again... You want me to read 33? If if, if it seems appropriate, you can. (laughs) We'll try. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. There you go. So there's a new, there's going to be a new way that God engages with his people. And then we get in the New Testament and the new, in the gospel and the new covenant is that the covenant isn't just for the nation of Israel. It is for the people who fall under the heading of Israel, meaning his people, his chosen people. And again, we could unpack Romans, the book of Romans, which really unpacks that concept uh, a lot. Um, as Paul really wrestles through what it means that we are now, that we as Gentiles can be part of that new covenant. Um, but that's significant. It's significant there is going to be a new covenant. So I got another one. Uh, Colson, if you want to grab this one mm-hmm. that, that applies to this, and I'll, I'll, I'll view, I know we've used this analogy before, but it seems like it's worth saying again before we unwrap it. So in Matthew 5, 17 and 18, um, so this is Jesus teaching us about his, his message about the law. Great. So Matthew 5, verse 17 and 18 I believe said, that's right. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Very good. So we already mentioned an example of something being fulfilled when we talked about the tabernacle and the temple. Um, The tabernacle, so just getting back from Israel and and being in Shiloh or Shiloh, where the tabernacle was for almost 400 years, um, it was very confusing for a number of the Christians who were there with us 
because as Christians, they 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 think of everything as being the same thing: synagogues, temper, tabernacle, temple, church. Um, all those things are the same word, and, and so it was very difficult to help them understand those don't, those aren't the same thing at all. Like there's only one temple. Mm-hmm. There's a synagogue in each community or multiple synagogues in each. They're like fellowship halls, but there's only one place that you worship God in person because he's only in one place to be worshiped that way. He only abides in one place. That was the idea then. And that had been at the tabernacle before it was at the temple. So the te- the tabernacle became obsolete. It, its purpose was fulfilled at the construction of the temple. So you didn't need to have a tabernacle and a temple. It's not that the tabernacle wasn't important. It wasn't abolished. It was just fulfilled. Its purpose was fulfilled. And I've, I've used the example probably on the podcast before, but now it's even more direct because I have a son who's engaged right now, and they have, as I say, um, strategically and maliciously planned to end their engagement. I mean, they just straight up said, like, you know what? We're, we're breaking up our engagement. It's just going to be over uh, <laughs> on August 12th. They're ending their engagement. It's just done. Um, and that's, of course, because that's the day they're getting married. Um, and so their engagement will be done. It will be outdated. It will be obsolete. Hopefully my son will not make the mistake that I did. If I introduced my wife, my fiance is my girlfriend several times until <laughs> she reminded me. And then my, my wife is my fiance still several times until she, um, reminded me not to do that. So whack, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, but the reason is it's not that my, not that my dating relationship with my wife is, obs- is, is it's not that it was abolished. It was fulfilled in our engagement mm-hmm. and our engagement was fulfilled in our marriage. It's not like, that's what Jesus is saying. Doesn't he didn't come to abolish important. it. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, it didn't right. matter. It's not significant. And there are lessons to be learned from our dating life mm-hmm. and our engagement life. And there are ways that you should still see evidence of our dating life in our marriage, evidence of our engagement mm-hmm. in our marriage. Um, there's things that you take from your engagement life that you apply, but like, my son and I were talking about, you know, what it's going to be like in a month when he's getting married. And, and that one of the coolest things is I told him it's, you know, now I've been married 30 years that it's like a sleepover with your best friend every night. Like there comes a point in the evening when you go, well, I guess it's 11. I guess I better be heading home. Oh no, wait, I think I'll stay Yeah, since we're married now. Like, I think, I don't think I'll go home. And so the, the, uh, some things change. They become obsolete. Leaving mm-hmm. at 11 becomes obsolete. And so um, anyway, it's just a great picture that Jesus uses there. Um, now, the fair question is, how do we know which mm-hmm. which ones? To, so if that's the case, that's then the isn't the homosexual laws, aren't those then now obsolete? Haven't they been fulfilled? Right. right? Isn't there in the new covenant? If, we, if we're allowed to eat bats if we want to now, don't... I don't recommend it, but we, but we, I guess, technically could, right? right? But we certainly can have shrimp and lobster, which they couldn't, or bacon, which they couldn't. Um, oh, man, I see the look on Chris's, Chris's face at the thought of not having bacon. That was <laughs> well, a, he doesn't. He's a vegan. Wow. <laughs> he doesn't get to have bacon now. That's right. Uh, a lot of reasons. <laughs> it's better just to not know what it was like. That's before. right. That's right. Right. But, um, yeah, but there you exactly. Because... When we pull things, like when we quote unquote cherry pick from other scriptures, right. it's like, oh wait, no, no, you can't do that. And so right. I think people would be like, well, wait, you said you you said we couldn't do that. That's right. So, but you're doing that. Mm-hmm. So I think for a second to distinguish between, and I mentioned this on another podcast, there's a reason why we don't know Levitical law very well and we don't teach on it very well. And it's what you just said, Chris. It's because it's been um, replaced by we would say the law of Christ, but you still, we still have it in our Bibles. We didn't just throw it out. Right. So I think that the, I would, I would distinguish between good cherry picking and bad cherry picking, if I may. <laughs> okay. Um, so I would say good cherry picking as, let me start with bad, bad cherry picking would be if a Bible verse doesn't support how I feel or what I want it to say, then I find, I ignore it and I find a verse that does. Right. Mm-hmm. So that would be, that would be bad cherry picking where I'm jumping around and I'm just. So like confirmation bias. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that would go in. I would say that that falls into what we talked about before. I Jesus that I'm looking for a verse to mean what I have want. Have we ever defined those? Well, I think we have at some point. Could you do it again? Though exegesis is. Yeah. Drawing out the meaning and eisegesis is putting my meaning into it. There you I, go. That was a simple way we did before. Yeah. 
Um, but the, the cherry picking analogy actually is this. If I'm going to be a good cherry picker, I need to know what's the right season. I right. need to know what color to look for when it's ripe. Um, I need to evaluate it a little bit and see if there's like bugs on it or if it's got some spot. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, right. even the analogy of being a cherry picker means it means you got to be discerning. And so I think that sounds so like being a discerning bad, is OK. You're right. That's the difference. And so right. I'm cherry picking in the sense of I'm discerning. I'm not cherry picking if I'm being um, selfishly looking for verses that support what I want it, what, what I want to already you know, right. Affirm. You know, I, I think Chris wasn't here when you, when we talked about the guy at the parking lot yeah, who jumped all around to prove to me that essentially the black people aren't humans Oof. and, really? and I missed yeah, that one. from the Bible. And he, he just jumped. All, I mean, it was a wild race through scripture as he picked a verse here and then would like finish a sentence with another verse from a totally different place. It was, it was all of the nightmarish hermeneutical errors Wow. That you could find. Right. Because you said, can I just record? Yeah, I should have recorded it. So can I just record that so yep. I can see? I regret what? that I didn't. I would love to, if I could ever see him again or find him again, I would record him because it was it was impressive in, in numerous ways. But the main one being, he had found every phrase in the Bible that he could twist to defend his view. And then he was linking all these phrases from all over the Bible. And so, yeah. So good cherry picking takes discernment, obviously. Bad cherry picking is when we take verses to support what we already believe. Mm -hmm. You think there are there any other tenets of bad cherry picking that come to mind? Is that the primary one? Yeah. I think a lot of times it's just ignorance. And so the, what happens is someone sometimes maliciously will find a Levitical verse and lift it out of context or even just quote it. it doesn't have to be out of context and then a lot of times just ignorant believers or who don't know that there's a difference in Levitical laws versus moral laws or whatever then they get freaked out because they're like oh my goodness so sometimes it, it is cherry picking in that sense where they're actually using it to try to dis you know like like we already said to try to make yeah. us look like hypocrites so yeah the, the way I, the way I distinguish in my brain, my, my cherry picking is, and Chris, you might have more than three categories or you might redefine these. Is this what you're talking ways. about? The headings of Levitical I don't know. I'm about to see what we'll see what Chris says. So I, I distinguish between ritual, civil, and moral. So, ritual, so we're talking about Leviticus specifically right now. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Old Testament law. law. Old Testament law. Yeah. Great. Right. Okay, so sorry. the ritual ones, a lot of them are for priests, sacrifices, ceremony, and worship. And like Chris already said, we don't have priests or sacrificial system or the temple anymore anyways. And so right away, you're like, okay, that doesn't count. Right. Um, they were about how to worship. They were, that's what right. they were for. How to, in fact, let's look at a real quick verse. Cause that, that, yeah. yes, those are the same three division. Okay. Can um, you repeat those again? Sorry. Yep. Go ahead. Chris. I said ritual, civil, and moral. Right. So sometimes you called the ritual ones are also called some kind of called ceremonial yeah. ritual or ceremonial laws. Then you have national laws or civil laws uh -huh. and then moral or ethical. Yeah. Okay. So the, the civil laws are more the national rules for Israel under this theocracy that was unique. Um, but mainly it was to maintain purity and separation from these other nations. And that's what a lot of people forget historically. Um, you've got Israel being in this uh, polytheistic pagan culture for 400 years. Mm -hmm. Right. And so God's bringing this infant nation into, first of all, just becoming their own, really understanding who God is, but then also they're still going to be surrounded by all these pagans. And so God is really, really trying to get into their heads. You are to be distinct. You are to be different. You are to be set apart. Don't follow what they do. And so a lot of the weird, crazy things that are trying to be very different is because this is what like the Canaanites did to worship their gods, their fertility rites or their worship practices were purposely like mixing seeds or mixing things or mixing, you know. And so that's where you get these weird Levitical commands about don't mix seeds or don't mix fabric. Right. Um, and so to us, that sounds weird. But to them, they would have been like, oh, right. So, yeah. So we're going to be totally different. Mm -hmm. um, right. It's just it just seems weird. But. What verse were you going to say, Chris? Well, the so let's look at, there's a kind of a, an introduction to each of them. So Leviticus 1, 2 through 3, 
references the ceremonial laws. And then we're going to look at Deuteronomy 24, 10, through 11, 10 and 11. I hope these are right, by the way, <laughs> to reference the civil Deuteronomy laws. Deuteronomy 24. 10 and 11, right? Okay. And then Exodus 20, 13, referencing the moral. But yeah, the, the, the national laws, the, the civil laws, I, I, yeah, Chris, exactly. That was a, it's a huge eye-opener to me to realize how many of Israel's laws, the civil laws, were about separation. They were, they were teaching Israel a very, very important thing every day, all day. Some yeah. things aren't other things. This is not that. Male is not female, for example. They just aren't the same thing. And you need to, you need to know that. You need to have things to remind you of that. Because that wasn't super clear in Egypt. That wasn't super clear in the pagan cultures that you're interacting with. Um, life is not death. That's not super clear in a lot of these pagan some of these pagan rituals where they slaughter children in order to bring rain because rain brings life. And God's like, no, see, death death isn't life. Death and life have two different things to do with each other. <clears throat> and so they're, they're constant. Um, this type of animal has hooves. This type of animal doesn't. This type of animal has scales. This type of catfish aren't tilapia. They're two different things. That, and then... And, and it's not that those were a moral stance, it's that those were teaching a civil lesson. This isn't that. And it's mm-hmm. it's all through so many of the weird, not combining, like like Chris was saying, not combining fabrics or or seeds or whatever. This isn't that. And they needed that reminder every day, all day. And even with those the reminders every day, all day, they still insist on integrating with the false teachings of these other religions constantly. Um but that was one of the main messages. This isn't that. And one of the main ones, so those are all meant to, so I'm going to go ahead and jump to the, you know, to conclusion here, because they're all of these laws are meant to, are meant to, are built on the Deuteronomy six rule. All of the laws, according to Jesus Christ and the Hebrew rabbis can be summarized in one law. The Lord, our God, the Lord is one. You shall love Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. That's it. And then Jesus says, and the second one is to love your neighbor as yourself, and that all of the laws can be wrapped up in that. Well, that's what this is about, is the civil laws were about loving God well by not worshiping I, God says, am not like them. Mm -hmm. So in the same way that wool is not like cotton, and a catfish not like tilapia, I am not like those gods. And that was a huge message that the people need to be reminded of constantly. And even being reminded of it, they still missed it. Mm. And, like, well, just give, give them a second and they're making a golden cap. Like, that's right. It's, it's like, instantaneous. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that pattern that we see, oh, God is now going to abide. We're going to recreate Eden. I'm going to abide with you. And uh, so let me, let me meet with you guys. No, you don't want to meet with me. You just want to send Moses. Okay, Moses, come meet with me. And oh my gosh, you're building, you're making a golden calf. Okay, you've got, you've got the tabernacle, we've got the law, it's in place, good, let's start our celebration, day eight of the celebration, Aaron's sons um, defy God and are knocked dead in the tabernacle. Like, we just don't go long time. We don't make it a long time um, facing these things. But that's the rem- constant reminder of the civil laws. You aren't them. And so, so who has, somebody have Deuteronomy 24, 10, and 11? Uh-huh. Let's hear it. When you make your neighbor alone of any sort, you shall not go into his house to collect his people or excuse me, collect his pledge, pardon me, you shall stand outside and the man to whom you make the loan shall bring the pledge out to you. Okay. So notice, let's do it already, 24, 10, 11. Yes, sir. Notice that's that division. So even mm-hmm. when you're doing legal matters like loaning money, getting payment, all that kind of stuff, you aren't them. You don't go into their home. Even if you borrow money from them or they borrow money from you, you don't go into their home. You're not one of them. And that was that vital, that was the civil, the fundamental of the civil law is that you aren't them. Um, with the civil laws, we have to engage with wisdom to decide, is there anything for us to apply here? Mm-hmm. Do we, do we need to apply something here or not? And cause it's not directly for us. We are not Israel. Uh, and that's a, that's an important, so that's, that's one of the ones is the national or the civil laws. Okay, good. And then you said, Ritual and ceremonial, and then yeah, well, I mean moral. I mean, I said I said ritual, and then I said civil, which is just the right. rules for them and a theocracy. And then I said moral. 
is and, the third one. And you've got the civil laws being about the separation out? Is it what a lot of yeah, those yeah. are? Yeah, like maintaining your purity and separation from other nations and things like that. The ritual one is all the, a lot of times, the seemingly weird things about cleanliness and what makes you unclean and stuff. But Right. And a lot of those are those those don't make a lot of sense to us because either they're the same message, this isn't that, or it's just a reminder that that there are certain standards that God has in place and he gets to pick them. Yeah. And he's decided this makes you unclean. And <laughs> we have lots of teachings about the concept of unclean and the way we, we hear unclean and we think bad, sinful, dirty, whatever. And all it meant to them was it was a ceremonial status. Mm-hmm. Um, clean or unclean. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of how you can distinguish some of the laws, even with you look at their consequences. Right. They're like eating pork, you didn't get put to death. It's like you're had you're unclean for a certain amount of whatever. So it's not mm-hmm. even that. I think for the moral one, a helpful one is to look because we do quote Leviticus 18 a lot about un, unlawful sexual relations. Mm-hmm. Right. And to ask, is that just was that only for Israel or is that for all things? And at the end of that section, that's all of these wrong applications of sexual relations god says don't make yourself unclean by any of these for all these nations i am driving out before you have become unclean and the land become unclean so that i punish its iniquity in the land vomited in other words he's saying this is why these nations are being punished they were doing these same sexual immoral things and that's what's that's why they're driving out so obviously it wasn't just for israel because a lot of Um, these laws are specifically for israel but that's like one of the examples that yeah, that it's not just homosexuality isn't only for Israel or only under the ceremonial or the communal mm-hmm. laws. Yep. So how do we know? By the way, I would add a fourth yes. heading when we're looking in the New Testament in particular, and that's the rabbinical right. laws. Right. And rabbinical laws aren't found in the Hebrew scriptures. They are just applications of it. And especially when we're looking in the New Testament, what we see is Jesus flaunt the rabbinical laws. He, he does not respect them. They are not, he, he sees them as not not requiring any response from him at all. Rabbinical laws are um, like when the Pharisees <laughs> applied the Old Testament right. in their own way or added to it. Yes. Yeah. So like when we you know the hand washing laws, that's actually rabbinical laws, not, uh, that's not, you, you don't find any commands about washing hands in the, in the Old Testament for, that applies to everybody. Um. And so when Jesus' disciples aren't washing their hands Mm -hmm. and the rabbis get really mad, what Jesus does is he shows them an actual Levitical law that they disobey because they don't like it. And then he is essentially mocking, oh, you've created a law and you think I need to follow it. (laughs) God created a law and you don't think you need to follow it. Mm -hmm. Then there's a problem here. Interesting. Um, But a lot of the Sabbath laws, you know, in the Sabbath, the only commandment in the Old Testament is to not start a fire essentially. And then, <clears throat> so in the New Testament, Jesus... And to rest. I mean... You're I mean, supposed to rest, general, right. Yeah. Take the day off and, and take a day of rest. But the only direct application is not start a fire. There's nothing in the Old Testament about picking up a mat, nothing in the Old Testament about making mud, like nothing in the Old Testament about harvesting wheat. Yeah. Exactly. Or healing someone. Or healing someone. <laughs> and so and so Jesus does all of those things and his followers do too, and they get in trouble for them. In fact, that's the first thing that makes the religious leaders mad at them. Yeah. Is there is his flaunting of the Sabbath laws, and or him telling other people to pick up their mat and do something when they're it's a Sabbath? You're not supposed to pick up your mat on Sabbath. I mean, the guys have been laying and laying in the pool of Bethesda for 38 years. He gets healed, and Jesus tells him to pick up his mat. And the Pharisees later are saying, I assume it's the Pharisees. I have to look back. It's whether it's the Pharisees or just the teachers and the scribes. But yeah. but and they say this man can't be from God because he told you to pick up his mat. But he just healed somebody who's been paralyzed for 38 years and what they care about is he carried his mat because that proves that when when there is no old testament passage to tell you you can't pick up a mat on the sabbath day especially if you're walking for the first time in 40 years um but like when Jesus makes go, mat, how hard does your heart have to be oh my gosh you, you just witness a miracle like the man with the withered hand and you're yep. like the guy's like pick there pick a different day to heal somebody i'm like oh my goodness like <laughs> right how, What's wrong? Yes. 
Okay, so back to your question though of like how do we know how do we know if we're doing good or bad cherry picking? Like specifically when we're looking at Levitical law. Right. How do we know it still applies to us? I'll give you one big one. A big one is going to be the interpretation of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And and this is the biggest and probably the most important. So one, Chris was saying it a second ago, one is does even the Levitical law, does it seem to apply to everybody or just to Israel? Um, and how does it apply to everybody? Like, does it apply only when, when the sojourner is in your land? Is that the only time it applies, like with the Sabbath? Or is the sojourner supposed to continue doing the Sabbath after they leave Israel? Um, and so those are, those are some good, you know, another one, I think, Chris, you were saying also about the consequence of the crime can be an indicator. It's not universal, but can be an indicator. How serious a crime is this? Is this a cutoff from the people or is it a, nah, you're unclean for seven days. Mm-hmm. And again, unclean doesn't mean evil. It just means unclean. Yep. Those are just a couple of good ones, but by far for us as Christians, the interpretation of Jesus is the most important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I um, think in general, I just, you just look and see, is it repeated in the new Testament? Right. Like, Jesus talks about murder. He talks about sanctity of, I mean, that's sanctity of marriage and right. the moral laws of sexual fidelity and stuff like that. So I think, and then we're told that the dietary laws aren't applied. Anymore. Right. Like it's, it's actually not that hard to do. I think. Yeah. He directly, he directly overturns dietary laws at least yeah. twice. And sacrificial. Once in Acts and once in. In the sacrificial gospel. system. Sacrificial system. Yeah. Cause he completes it. The writer of Hebrews lets us know that he's completed it and it's now unnecessary. Now, again, it's one of those, like we do Passover here sometimes to learn from it. I don't know that it would, it's immoral. I don't know. It'd be, I wish we knew whether, like, did Jesus do the sacrifices? I mean, I assume he did the sacrifices every year as a young man, even though he didn't need to sacrifice an animal for his sins, but he probably did, or he'd have been some kind of weirdo. Right. I mean, like it have stood out. Mm-hmm. Um, but but how much of that did Peter do and John do and Paul do after? We know they still went to the temple and we know they still practiced some of those things, but we we don't have a clear description of what all they did and didn't huh. do after Jesus' interesting. crucifixion I didn't, and resurrection. Yeah, I didn't think about that. That's it's, really interesting. Someone asked the other day why we as Christians, why the church, early church, started meeting on Sunday rather than Saturday. And I, I do think one is to celebrate the resurrection on Sunday, but I, I think by far it's because the first... Christians were Jews and they were, I mean, they had synagogue on Saturday. I mean, they had, they had to, they were meeting with their family at mm-hmm. synagogue on Saturday and they had stuff to do on Saturday that was connected to the Jewish Shabbat, the mm-hmm. Sabbath, um, to rest and be with family and, and celebrate together and have dinner together just like they do today and to go to synagogue in the morning. And so, well, when are they supposed to get together and sing and praise and, and celebrate Jesus and learn about him? Well, it can't be Saturday morning. They have synagogue then. <laughs> And so I think that's why they started practicing it on Sunday morning. And that became, I mean, we still honor the Shabbat laws. Why else do we have Saturday off? It's in America. Why would we have Saturday off? That makes no sense at all. And so many businesses don't now, um, which is heartbreaking to me, sad to me, but we still recognize the need that the Sabbath was created for man. And again, that's a great one that Jesus interprets for us. Sabbath was made for man, not uh, man for Sabbath. Sabbath is not something we worship God gave it to us. If we're dumb enough to ignore it, well, then we're dumb. Right. If we're going to ignore the need, he made it for our sake. We should enjoy it as a good gift. Um, it's not some kind of obligation, and it never was It was never intended to be primarily, hey, this is, this is because I need you to do this. Now, he created a punishment for failing to do it yeah. because it was an act of faith that he'd required of them. But he also was teaching them, almost like children, as they left this pagan culture. Mm-hmm. Here's what, here's how things work and there are consequences for failing to do this. Um, but think about, I mean, Jesus, like Chris was saying, Jesus could directly instructs in regards to porneo. He uses the same word, sexual immorality, that would have mm-hmm. been used in the Septuagint with those passages about sexuality and marriage. Um, being honest, telling the truth under oath, like those, Jesus confirms all of those, honoring or think about the Apostle Paul confirming, honoring father and mother, um, for example. I mean, those are those are clearly confirmed by the New Testament passages. 
And I think it's interesting to remember he actually raises the bar. Like, oh yeah, it's not just murder external. It's like what's going on in your heart. It's not just because he's his point is that hatred is murder in seed form, or or lust is adultery in seed form. And so he's getting all the way back to not just did you outwardly follow this, but is it what's going on in your heart? So I think a lot of people think Jesus was soft mm-hmm. on those things, but. He no, not at all. Actually reminded people what the standard really was. I don't know if I've ever told you this, Chris, but I had a pastor, Lanny Tanton, um, <clears throat> who he was my pastor when Bill Clinton got caught um, having had an affair with Monica Lewinsky. And then the next day, uh, Lanny got up and preached and said, in the sermon, the main difference between most of us and Bill Clinton is opportunity. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is not impressed by our lack of opportunity. <laughs> Um, and that's what he's taught through that those passages. The fact that you're too much of a coward to act on your lust does not impress right. Jesus. Right. The act that you're too much of you're too afraid of of going to prison to murder somebody, and that's the only thing that keeps you from murdering somebody is your fear of consequences. That doesn't impress Jesus. You've already done it in your heart. And so, um, obviously, that's not saying so. You might as well go ahead and do it. Right. <laughs> it is. No, no. You're already. You've already dealt with these issues, and so. Um, I'm a big fan of of really when we wrestle th- through those thoughts, yeah, recognizing the the standard that he set was higher, not lower yeah. um, for us um, on the on the moral ones, right. And it's because of the moral part of the heart. And it's still based on the same, by the way, those are still based on the same motivation as the Hebrew scriptures were. You shall love the Lord your God, God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus did not in any way minimize the purpose of all of the laws. And the purpose was to teach us to love God with all, all our identity and to love each other. And so Jesus is saying that those fulfill the law, um, just as, as his identity fulfills the law. So the only ones we are, quote, stuck with still, that we're left with, are the ones that Jesus confirms in the New Testament. He and his followers confirm in the New Testament. Um, and sexual immorality laws, he confirms. Yeah. Um, being a good neighbor laws, he confirms. Um, all of those that he confirms. Um, and so we go back and we're, you know, they're still there. And we see those still in the writings of his followers. Um, the family moral, the family code laws, he confirms a lot of those. Um, now, the way they're lived out is different sometimes than how we think of them. Mm. Um, but that those are examples. So would you, you say, think? you may have already said this, but if, if there's something that Jesus doesn't specifically mention mm-hmm. or reinstate, we should be really careful to ascribe to it as oh, yeah. believers like from <clears throat> the would. Old Testament. Yeah. Not, it's not that we shouldn't across the board, but we should just be really careful with the context and application of that if it's not stated right. by Jesus and or maybe... The apostles? Would you include yeah, the of apostles course. writing in that? Yes. Yeah, that's that's when you you still have to engage with them with some wisdom. Is there any wisdom here to learn from? Right. Um, is there anything that'd be good for us to figure out um, to apply this from? I mean, it, we, it wasn't random. God didn't do them randomly. There was still a purpose behind them. Um, but to say, um, to say that somehow we're under the instruction of those is is not the same. I'll tell you a great example of this is the are the tattoos. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the people oh, yeah. of Israel were directly instructed not to mark their bodies, not to get tattoos. Which a lot of mm-hmm. previous believers ascribe to, or right. like previous decade, decades, centuries. Probably. I don't know how far Maybe back. Both. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. But yeah, that's a great example of an Old Testament law that is not confirmed in the New Testament. God does, Jesus does not in any way condemn, command, or anything about tattoos. So. Was it a pagan you think it was like a pagan? Probably. Yeah, don't uh, mark your bodies Af- like the pagans do. Af- yeah, like a, it, affiliation. The specific, yeah, the specific passage actually says, don't, do not cut your bodies for the dead or put tattoo marks on yourselves. I am the Lord. Yeah. And I think that's, that's part of what they would do is they would slash their bodies. I mean, you see this with uh, the prophets of Baal and Elijah, they would cut themselves. And right. It was like a, a, a way you got your God's attention or honored him, mm. which is, totally what people aren't doing for the most part in getting tattoos today. I mean, if they are, then that would be wrong. Right. <laughs> if it's okay, so false God, but that's most Christians who are getting tattoos are not, are doing none of this. So it just right. doesn't, doesn't apply. 
that's what I meant when I said, so what we do now is we have to apply wisdom to it. Right. Yeah. And so we say, is it, is this a wise tattoo to get, or is this a foolish tattoo to get? Is this a, so we still apply wisdom to it as we do with all of the old Testament laws. So I apply wisdom to, do I eat monkeys or bats? No, that (laughs) seems unwise. Um, Do I eat shellfish and shrimp? Well, that, that seems okay. So Mm. I'm not under a law for those. I have still want to apply wisdom to them um, and try to figure out what's going on there. But it's, that's a, that's a good yep. way of thinking about right. it is the ones that aren't confirmed biblically, we still have to have wisdom about, but, but there's no, we can't universally apply them. Right. We can't tell uh, everybody. The one thing I would add to that, and I know we got to wrap up soon, but some people have said, Jesus says, because Jesus said nothing about homosexuality, therefore we right. don't have to. And so that's an example there, though. Of, okay, but did he affirm any in any other way? And he affirmed God's design for male and female. Right. And he used, like Chris said, the the phrase porneo, which is any sexual relationship outside of marriage, which is an umbrella statement, right. which includes adultery, homosexuality, all that other stuff. So, I, I think that that's another argument that people have said. Well, Jesus never mentioned it, and that so the but that's the it's dangerous just not right part to say there. That. Right. Well, the dangerous part there is to say, well, then therefore, whatever Jesus didn't condemn, he therefore affirms, which that's dangerous because right. he never mentioned anything about child molestation. So that's again, or you're using common sense and wisdom. And- so, so I would say, I actually would say he does mention homosexuality and child molestation because he uses the word porneo, which any True, first right. century, any first century rabbi using the word porneo is referencing the Levitical laws about it, what, what is wrong? What is, what is sexually immoral? That's why he doesn't have to unpack it mm. because it, it's already written. I mean, it's clear. This is what is meant by that. Is any sex other than consensual sex between an, a man and a woman married to one another? And so anything outside of that would be sex with family, sex with a child, sex with uh, some of the same sex, sex with an animal. All of those are directly forbidden. Um, and, and the consequences for any of those are extreme. Um, and so... I, I think he did mention, you know, he didn't use our words for it, but right. that he doesn't, he's, he's speaking a different language in a different mm-hmm. era, but clearly that's what he's referencing. And his followers knew that. That's why, for example, the apostle Paul so unapologetically condemns it because he knows Jesus was condemning it yeah. with his language. Yeah. So as, well. as we're wrapping up. The behaviors, up, by the way, sorry, not, not, mean... not the temptations, right? the behaviors. Yeah. The, the um, all of us are tempted by sexual immorality, but right. whether it's a mental behavior or a physical behavior to engage in sexual morality, those are, those are still fall into the heading of mm-hmm. sin. And he even differentiates between mental behavior that's sin and just temptation. I think so. Yeah, yeah I do. Um, so, at, and this may be, I don't know if this is possible, but as we're wrapping up, so if someone says something along the lines of, well, you just, you Christians just pick which Levitical laws you want what is a good, if, if you don't have time to unpack everything with them, what is a good response other than it's complicated? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, like what is a good response or what, to that? Or what they see as a cop out of saying like, well, context, like you right. got to go back to the context, which I mean, that's not a, it's not a cop out, but. Right. But like, if you're just having a passing conversation right. with someone, right. is there a way of, of graciously without unpacking all of it, kind of explaining yeah. this? I, I just, I talk in terms of following my rabbi. So I, I interpret the Old Testament through the lens of Jesus's teachings. Yeah. And, and so that's how I do it. I think yeah. that's the, as a Christian follower of Jesus Christ, I think he has the authority to interpret the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. I don't think I do, mm, but I don't have the, good. I also don't think I have the authority to question his interpretation. And so when he, when he interprets it, that's, that, that I, I now have an answer. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> him and his follower, him and the apostles. Yeah. I think that's very clear. Yeah. And right, I just sir. really, I, I always throw out those three distinctions just real quick. Right. <clears throat> yeah. I just go, there's ritual, civil, and moral, and you got to figure out which one's being. So it takes some study. Um, and so we're not cherry picking in the bad way, but we're being discerning, if you want to call it good cherry picking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Some good resources. I, I think I, I think I mentioned this book before, but this one, How Not to Read the Bible, okay. um, is really, really helpful. Okay. Because just over and over again, it keeps tackling kind of modern um, accusations against um, Scripture. It's uh, by Dan Kimball. 
And uh, I just think it's really helpful just because it, it, it acknowledges, yeah, those are really sounds weird unless you know what's going on here. And it just walks you through how to interpret and a, lot a, of a total other heading and that I think can affect people as well, but it's a total other heading than this one yeah. about the Levitical laws is, but it's the same God who made these Levitical laws. And some of them are really weird and seem cruel and I don't understand them. And any God who would create these laws is a God I can't imagine following. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a separate heading. And we're going to attack, mm-hmm. we're going to deal with that under the heading of is, is God by moral, by modern standards is God, um, Immoral is that how we said we're going to mm-hmm. verbalize is scripture it? Immoral, is scripture by immoral today's by today's standards. standards. And so yeah. we'll unpack that some more under some of the key headings. Um, but a great resource for that one is Paul Copen's book, Is God a Moral Monster? Oh, yeah. And what he does really well is he takes some of the very, I mean, the, the nitty gritty little picky passages and, uh, and then we'll spend how much time he needs to, to really unpack it. Yeah. Okay. Um, That's a good one. I'm a huge fan of it. He he okay. does he does his homework really well for that, um, and it's really accessible though. It's not it like is. you read it, you're going, "Oh my goodness, this is so tedious." It's really so like you can you can read it. Anybody and can it, read it. Can you can yeah. absorb it? Yeah. Understand I, it? Okay. I was pleased with it, but man, yeah. that's awesome. Great resources. So a lot of great unpacking. Thank you guys for doing that. A lot of great resources. If you want to know more, if you have any specific questions, reach out to us yep. at info at southspring.org, and we'll uh, see you in the next episode. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Reconstructed Faith. If you enjoyed what you heard or were challenged, please leave us a review. It'll help other people to find us. If you have questions or a topic you'd like to hear discussed, shoot me an email at info at southspring.org. Reconstructed Faith is a resource of South Spring Baptist Church. Our transitional music on this episode is by Ali Legg. Remember, don't give up. Trust God. Search for answers.